0: listening to a Garden City Chapel podcast by Dr. Robert Shaw. For a complete archive of podcasts, visit our website at www.gardencitychapel.com. This morning Jesus is going to talk to us about four different kinds of soil. There really aren't more than that, and as we apply it to our hearts this morning, I want you to ask yourself the question, what kind of heart do I have? The first kind of heart that he talks about is is or excuse me, the soil is the one along the road. And what Jesus has begun doing is He's begun speaking in parables. Up to this point, He's taught the Sermon on the Mount. It's just been plain teaching. In fact, Luke only gives us a small portion of the Sermon on the Mount. We get more of it uh, in Matthew's Gospel. It's three full chapters in Matthew's Gospel. At the end of it, the people look at, them, at each other and say, wow, this guy speaks as one who has authority. He, he doesn't preach like the normal preachers we listen to. And yet now he is looking for more than just superficial adherers. He's looking for genuine followers. And this is a turning point, really, in the ministry of Christ, his teaching ministry. As I look back over my notes, I'm one of these, I teach through books of the Bible. This summer I'm teaching through the book of Luke. My first summer in 01, here as pastor, I preached through the book of Matthew. Two summers ago I preached through the gospel of Mark. And so I've come to this passage before. In fact, I almost skipped it. I thought, I've thought talked about this before. Well, the weird thing about this opportunity to preach is most of you weren't here when I preached this passage in Matthew. Most of you weren't here in Mark. You know, some people said, Robert, you could preach the same sermon every week. Well, I don't do that because there are a group of you that are here a little more often than that and I'd be found out. But the reason I want to approach this passage again is it is a pivotal point in Christ's ministry. In fact, He begins teaching through parables. Parables, some have said that they're Earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. The literal word is two words put together. It means to throw or place alongside of. And so what he does is, alongside of his teaching, he's placing this illustration. Now, I try to illustrate things. You know, I try to take the truth of God's word and illustrate it because you know what? People remember illustrations better than they do the passage sometimes. You could almost preach the same message as long as you change the stories. But I promise you, if I share the story with a different message, some are going to say, well, I've heard that before. Because we remember those visual illustrations, don't we? So that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, okay, I've been teaching you. Now let me apply some of this. I want to see if I've got more than just superficial hearers and adherers. I want to see if some of you are really living what it is that I've been teaching on. So he talks about a sower that wants to sow. Again, this was something that these people saw. In fact, many of them had done this particular activity. They had gone out with a, with a bag over their shoulder of seed. The ground's ready. They are casting the seed. And the first type of soil that he encounters is this road. And you're thinking, well, what's he doing trying to grow something on the road? Well, he didn't intentionally come to the road and start throwing seeds, saying, that's what will happen here. In fact, the road back then was typically a footpath between fields. And the birds a lot of times would follow the sower. This would be a place that they knew they could find, the birds would know, we can find seeds over here on the footpath. We not, might not get to it over here in the soil, especially once it's been watered in. But over here on this footpath, perhaps we can find something. So Jesus described this first type of soil uh, as the one that fall, fell beside the road. hard surface. Seed just sits there, and it doesn't sit there very long before birds have come and eaten it up. Second type falls on rocky soil. Again, whether he had plowed before or after, some people say that in that day the Palestinian farmer would actually sow the seed and then till the ground and try to work the seed into the ground. Whether he does it the way we see it done, done today or whether he did it that way in that day and age, But it doesn't matter. He would come to this part of ground where perhaps the blade of the plow wasn't able to get deep enough to the rock and break that rock up. If you've ever been to Israel, it is incredibly rocky. One of the things that amazed me when I was there last year was the number of rocks, and they're everywhere. Now, it's also the land flowing with milk and honey. It's very fertile. The soil is incredibly rich and dark soil. Things grow well there. But things don't grow too well in shallow soil and so he talks about this second type of soil and says that this soil is so shallow that the, re, the, the, the roots are able to spread pretty quickly and it looks pretty good for a little while until the sun beats down on it and the moisture is depleted and it says that what looked promising never really grows to maturity it just falls over and dies it withers away literally it shrivels up for lack of moisture then the third type of seed is the one that is sown among thorns, and again, he didn't intend to sow it among the thorns. He thought he had gotten the thorns out, but this particular patch of ground just was overrun with those little briars that grow up right alongside the seed. And I don't know why is it that the stuff you don't want to grow grows faster than the stuff you do want to grow. You know why? why don't we? You know we have this stuff in this area called dichondra or dollar weed. I think it would be better if we just allowed that to be our lawn. Because it grows incredibly well down here. It puts out these huge little, you know, leaves on the top. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've got some of that dollar weed or dichondria in your yard. And why it is that it grows so helpfully? I mean, we can have a drought. The grass turns brown and that stuff's just thriving. Well, that's what happens with these thorns. And they grow up alongside the healthy plant, but they grow faster. They compete in the soil for the nutrition and the moisture. And so they choke out, both underground choke out, but also above ground. They just choke out. They choke out the sunlight and the nutrients that these plants should be getting. And so these plants, again, uh, don't grow to maturity. And then the last type of seed, or the last seed falls on the last type of soil, and it's called good soil. And it produces a crop. Literally, fruit is born out of this crop. In fact, he says, a hundred times as great. One thing I want you to remember this morning is how amazing the production of just one little seed is. Whether it's an acorn that falls off of an oak tree and out of that little acorn, seemingly insignificant, grows this massive oak tree. Or whether it be something like a a bean plant or in my case, my first experience with gardening was when I was in seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, they allowed seminary students to have these little garden plots and I think ours was about 10 by 10. And we planted several things. We planted corn and tomatoes and squash and cucumbers, but what we ended up growing was the other thing we planted, and that was okra. I didn't like okra, but I learned to like it because it's all we could grow. Okra seed, if you've ever seen it, it is incredibly small. In fact, it will be driven by the wind because not only did we have okra in our garden plot, but Everybody else had okra around us because it blew into their garden plots too. Whether you wanted okra or not, you ended up with okra. And it would grow up about this big and just the pieces of okra, I mean, you know, it's just incredible. Every day you'd go back and pick okra. We kind of got tired of it. But the lesson it taught me was what incredible things can happen from really just a small seed. I want you to keep that in your mind. After teaching this parable now, Jesus says to the people, Hey, listen up. If you've got ears to hear, then hear. Now obviously, the people he's speaking to had ears. But Jesus is basically saying is, if your ears are open and receptive, then hear the message of the parable. and then something interesting happens. Not only was the parable proclaimed, but now Jesus is going to explain the parable. His disciples come to him. In verse nine, let me read this passage. After proclaiming the parable, his disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And he said to them, "...to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parable, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand." Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart, and hold it fast, and bear fruit with perseverance. So Jesus explains this, and it's interesting to me that I don't know how many people He's teaching to, but it says the disciples came to Him, His followers. Nobody else came and said, we don't get it. And I don't know if you're like that. If you've ever sat in a crowd where instructions were being given, and then the person said, now, anybody got any questions? And maybe you sat there thinking, I don't understand the thing you're talking to, but I'm not going to let anybody know. Nine times out of ten, nobody else understood it either. <laughs> but they didn't want to be the one to ask. Could you explain that? So that's what the disciples do. They came up. They'd never heard Jesus teach this way before. Up to this point, He had been saying things like, blessed are the peacemakers, and things that were a little easier to understand. Now He shares this illustration, this parable, and the disciples say, what does this mean? Because we want to get it. And so Jesus explains to him, And He says, first of all, the seed is the Word of God. So in other words, when I talk to you about, you gain this visual image of this sower going out with a bag over his shoulder and he's broadcasting seed. You need to understand, that's the Word of God. Now, they had been witnessing this, not just physically seeing people plant seeds. They had been watching and listening to Jesus teach. Jesus had been broadcasting the Word of God for the last few months in their lives. They had heard Him teach some incredible things. They had seen Him heal people. He had been spreading the good news of the Gospel with people. And they had even witnessed the kind of hearts that it fell on. Sometimes people walked away shaking their head. They couldn't receive it. Other people became followers of Christ. So they had seen this progression, this different types of soil. So Jesus explains it to them. He says, well, the first type of soil is those who've heard beside the road. Basically, they're the kind of people that they were within the sound of my voice. And yet all that really happened is it went in one ear and out the other ear. They didn't really apply it to their lives. They didn't do anything with it. They didn't receive it. They just kind of heard it and went on their way. In fact, Jesus says these are the kind of people that as soon as the word's there, the devil comes and takes it away. Snatches it literally away from them so that they couldn't believe. Folks, as a preacher, I've watched this happen. I have seen people speaking to large groups and small groups. I've seen times where I'm just my impression is God's all over, right in the face of that individual. And I don't, I don't get to see every person, the, the hundreds of folks that are here this morning. I don't focus in on every single face, but sometimes I'm drawn to certain individuals in the crowd. And I've seen times where it's like I could see God dealing with people, and yet they walk away as if they didn't hear. They had a hard heart. Let me tell you some ways that the devil does that. Some some ways that you can watch for in your own life to see if he's been snatching the seed away. He'll use some things like lies. The, the the devil is a liar and the father of all lies. He'll even use preachers who don't preach the truth that will corrupt the Word of God and for their own gain or their own purpose or benefit contradict even what is in Scripture. So I encourage you, make sure... when. Somebody opens the Word of God, follow along with them and make sure what they're saying is the Word of God really is the Word of God. Challenge that. He'll also use your fear. Sometimes he'll use just, what will other people think? In fact, Paul put it this way in Galatians. He said, you know what, if I was still trying to please men, I wouldn't be a servant of God. As you become a child of God, there's some people that get upset with that. They don't like it. And that fear may be somewhat founded in the fact that, yeah, some people will make fun of you if you're a child of God. So some people, just the fear of what other people may think will keep them from receiving and accepting the Word of God into their heart. Others, is pride. And I've had conversations with people like this. Not long ago, in my office, talking to someone about their relationship with the Lord, their answer basically was, you know what, I'm a good person. I haven't done most of the things that other people have done. What they were really saying is, I don't even need God. I'm good enough. And so pride will keep them away from, from this humbling themselves to come to need, to know they need a Savior. So the first type of soil is that hard heart. And you know what? From a spiritual sense, the more times you hear it and reject it, the easier it is to hear it and reject it the next time. It's like a callus forms over your heart. The Word of God, it says, is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce to the division of joint and marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. what begins to happen every time we just kind of ignore the Word of God? Maybe we put it off and think, well, I'll deal with that later. Or because of pride or because of some lie, we just don't listen. I think we start getting these calluses so that, you know what, some people have calluses on their hand. You can come stick a a pin in it and it doesn't even hurt anymore because there's a hard shell there, a callus. Second type of person falls on the rocky soil. These are the ones that, that sounds great their relationship or their hearing is all about feelings. Yeah, that just sounds great. And so they kind of spring up. And sadly, some of the people that I watch do this are celebrities. You know, we get all excited when an athlete or a musician or a movie star professes faith in Christ. We get all excited and too often we kind of rush them to the forefront as an example. And then as we've seen some, I, I saw an interview with a, musician that I was so excited when he trusted Christ as his Lord and Savior and then he kind of fell away as this verse talks about and the interviewer asking the question well that's your relationship with God he said well I've kind of come full circle in other words I used to be lost and you know what I heard some things I got really excited about but really I'm kind of back over here in the lost category in fact it says they believe for a while the word while means a set or proper time it's it really means when the occasion warrants. You ever met people like that? That in one occasion they act one way and in another occasion they act another way? But then when the time of temptation comes, same word time there is used back up here for a while. So when the occasion warrants through temptation, they fall away. Men and women, look at me. You've got to hear this. Once you hear the Word of God, if you do receive it, if you become a child of God, testing times will come. In fact, that's what the word temptation means. It means a putting to proof. You're being tested. Now, the Bible says that God doesn't test anyone with evil, but God allows testing times to come in your life to prove that you really are a follower of Christ. In fact, James puts it this way, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Why? Well, he goes on to say, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you would be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to lack nothing. You don't want there to be anything in your life that's lacking. And the only way you get that is to go through testing times. Well, this shallow hearer who never really allows roots to develop in his life where he truly becomes a follower of Christ, just, it felt good. Well, I promise you, there's going to be times that your feelings will fail you. And that's during temptation. And if you've never connected with Christ and become a follower of Christ, then it won't feel good some days and you're going to walk away. You're going to fall away. In fact, the word fall away literally means to remove or to instigate a revolt or to desert. It's like a deserter in the military. You know, it all sounded good in basic training. You liked the outfit. You liked your weapon. But as soon as you got out there in battle, you deserted. Because the testing time came. Third type of soil is the one with thorns. In fact, it says they come up and choke. And Jesus gets real specific about what these thorns are. Three types. He says some thorns are the worries of the world, they're, they're the things that disunite you, that distract you. You're just worried. Some are the riches. It's just the wealth, it's the stuff of life. And some are the pleasures of life the delights the sensual pleasures in this present state of existence these are people again who hear the word they think yeah to be a follower of christ and to have eternal life that sounds great that's what the rich young ruler was looking for right he came to jesus what do i have to do to live forever jesus told him ultimately go and sell everything you possess give to the poor then come follow me you'll have treasures in heaven and what does he do walks away because he did the balance and act and decided he'd rather hold on to his stuff than become a follower of Christ. Well, then here's the good soil. The last one, the good news. The good soil is that soil that's valuable or beautiful or virtuous is the word, what the word good means there. And he said it's heard in an honest and a good heart. These are the people that hold it fast. They bear fruit. Literally, they're fertile. And they do it with perseverance. Yeah, they face the same test, the same temptations, the same trials as the earlier people did. But they do it with perseverance. Why? Because they've genuinely connected with Christ. And they realize that what they've got is good. In fact, the writer of Hebrews puts it this way when he says, Hold fast the confession of your faith, for He who promised is faithful. And you do that without any wavering or any shame. Let me apply, just take some of this and apply it to our lives. Just a few things as I prayed this week about how do you take a parable like this and apply it today. We know what it meant in that day. What does it mean today? First is this, the seed was the same in every application. It wasn't any different in the seeds of any of those four soils that Jesus described. Same seed being scattered, and Jesus says, tells us it's the Word of God. So understand, the Word of God hasn't changed. The Word of God is the same today, yesterday, even forever. The difference was the soil. Second thought is this: spiritual fruit is the inevitable byproduct of the Christian life. If you're truly a follower of Christ, there will be fruit. In fact, in uh, in Colossians chapter one, it says, "We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints." Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you had previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Fruit is a natural byproduct of the believer. Galatians 5 says... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Listen, if you've come to Christ, that's something that will begin being produced in your life. The day after you come to Christ, you may not see it in full measure, but you ought to be able to look back over time and start seeing, you know what, I see God working. And I'm not where I want to be someday, but I'm, I can see growth taking place in my life. In fact, if you've been a Christian for a while and you look back and you see no fruit, you need to ask questions. God, why is it that I'm not experiencing the fruit that is supposed to be evident in my life? Because if you're a child of God, this fruit will be produced. Let me just give you a third thing. Seed grows best in a proper environment. We've already looked at that. If the seed's sown on rocky soil or thorny soil or hard soil, it's not going to grow well. So what can we do as believers to make sure the soil is rich and and receptive? Well, I encourage you to be a part of Bible study. I encourage you to be in a church that preaches the Word of God. I encourage you to be in Bible study, whether it's Sunday school or a small group, discipleship. Have some accountability. But also in your personal life, your quiet time, just your time between you and God. I encourage you to take notes. Not just on my message. I try to make it easy for you. But I encourage you to take notes. In your quiet time in the morning, have a notebook. And when God maybe plants something in your mind, maybe it's a question you need to go ask somebody, go ask them. Find out what it means. Dig deep and allow God to penetrate your heart with the truth of His Word. And apply what you learn. Don't try to read the whole Bible in one sitting. For some of you, it would be better if you read one or two verses and just said, God, show me one thing today that I can apply to my life. You see, just having the knowledge with no application isn't any good. Fruit won't be produced there. The fruit gets produced as soon as you start living what it is God's taught you. And the last thing is this. You can be a seed spreader. In fact, God will use you to sow the seed. And here's the good news. You don't produce the seed. You don't produce the soil. And you don't produce the fruit. In fact... Picture yourself as a soul. As you go out and tell other people about Jesus, some of the people you tell are going to have hard hearts. You may not be able to do anything about softening their heart, but tell them about Jesus. There's other people that may just be emotional and feel good, and they just want the feeling. You may not see it until you share it with them, but tell them about Jesus. Some other people, you may share it with them, and they're going to, it's going to get totally choked out by the fact they're worried about the things of this world and the things they're pursuing. Again, that's not your responsibility. Tell them about Jesus. But lastly, there's going to be some people. You're going to show them Jesus through your life. You're going to share a verbal witness of who Jesus is. And they're going to come to faith in God. Again, you didn't do that. God did, as you were faithful to simply be a seed spreader. Let me share this last quote and I'm done. I like this. I read it this week. The untrained Christian who, who faithfully scatters his few seeds will produce a greater harvest than the most learned and experienced believer who never bothers to sow at all. Let's pray together. Father, God, we've heard the seed this morning, the Word of God. God, I pray that we'd be faithful hearers. God, please don't allow it to be quickly snatched away as soon as we walk out the door. And God, don't allow us just to be looking for an emotional fix of religion. And God, please remove the things that distract us, the things that worry us, the pursuits that are temporary. And God, may we allow the seed to be implanted in our life that is eternal. And then God, would you use us this week to be seed spreaders as we tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our prayer in Christ's name.